Ah, yes. The, the Twitter edit button. It's just around the corner. It'd be really funny if Greg Bird just turned into what he was supposed to be with the Blue Jays, like uh, Gio Urshela did with the Yankees. <laughs> 35. You turned 35 today. Hey, happy birthday. <laughs> um, you did not steal my final thought, but, you know, that could have been a... And welcome to episode number 229 of Artificial Turf Wars, probably the longest-running Blue Jays podcast team in existence. Maybe. I think. Uh, I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the uh, effervescent Joshua Housem. How are you doing today, Josh? I've been that one before, too. Uh, see, when you've been in a, a duo as long as we have, they get recycled. 29 adjectives is a lot of adjectives. And that's only since we were doing it under this title. Of the oh, name of the my podcast. goodness. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, I'm good, thanks. It would be funny if I was accidentally commemorating like the 400th episode of something. Um, that would be funny. It's, it might be the case. But uh, yeah, I'm back in Toronto now after a brief trip down to Florida, which was nice. Cool, cool. Uh, was spring training at the new facility? That that was, you know, now that they're not going to play there, did I have a different feeling this year with the, you know, no more COVID restrictions kind of thing in Florida? Or has <laughs> it felt any different last year <laughs> oh right florida. florida gotcha gotcha all right let's talk about what we have tonight before i start slagging on florida uh we have the randall grichuk trade for a uh, left fielder named tapia and a prospect named pinto uh we have a few things from camp about uh pearson's pitch selection we're getting some clues as to how the lineup is going to be constructed especially after that trade i think um matt chapman is flashing the leather already uh josh you saw uh kikuchi in person um we also have heard about uh the prospect robus martinez um making some interesting heads turn or eyebrows raise and then we're going to talk about going into the season um we have expanded rosters we have uh Mark Spiro going off on the idea that the Jays have nothing but advantages from this whole COVID vaccination situation. And it turns out the Blue Jays are going to start renovating the Rogers Center, which I thought they had already tried several times, but I, I don't know these things. We also have your questions, naturally, and a gold star to new Blue Jays minor leaguer, Nathan Lukes. Um, yeah, we'll tell you the whole story as we go. Off the top, exciting Maybe more exciting for the guy who's leaving than the guy who's who's showing up. But Randall Grichuk is a Colorado Rocky, and who's the new guy? Rymel Tapia. He's well, well. We'll get into him in, in in depth in a bit. But he's a he's an outfielder, a very fast outfielder from the Rockies, twenty eight years old. Lefty, both batting and throwing. And then we'll yeah we'll we'll, we'll talk about Rick Grichuk, and then I'll get back into him in a bit. Uh, did we actually think Richuk would be would be traded for something this conveniently valuable? Um, I didn't <laughs> think he'd be traded at all. So I, I was convinced that Randall Grichuk was far more valuable to the Blue Jays than he would ever be in trade, just simply because they need someone who can play center field, and they need someone who, if someone gets hurt, can step in every day. I mean, it's a very he's a really valuable fourth outfielder for a team like the Blue Jays, and he's because he's a starting caliber player. Um, but it turns out that wasn't the case, and they were actually able to spin him off into 
an interesting player, let's say. Well, I, I think we've been going on and on about how the Blue Jays aren't very left-handed. And I think for two seasons, we've been talking about how pretty much every outfielder the Blue Jays roll into the system has this profile. Whether they're successful with the profile or not is, is another matter. But they strike out a lot. They hit for occasional to uh, frequent power. Um, and they uh, they don't walk much. Um, Tapia is not that. <laughs> No, uh, he walks, so that's one of the things, but he's got no power. Well, you know, I shouldn't say that. He hits because, the ball really hard. He just hits uh, it down. Yeah, he <laughs> oh, he can hit the ball really, really hard. But his, So StatCast, they have their percentile rankings. For max exit velocity, he's in the 70th percentile for the league, which is obviously very, very good. For average exit velocity fifth percentile <laughs> so <laughs> he either hits a rocket or it makes a horrible contact um one thing that's interesting about him so if you look at his launch angles he's been in the league off and on basically since he, since he was 22 13.8 degrees 13.2 degrees 18.1 7.5 1 1.8 negative 4.4 .4 last year so the launch angle revolution I guess he's the defense against that. <laughs> I'm not really sure what's going on there, but they definitely going to have to do some work to get that back to where it should be. And that's, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a guy getting out of a place to be able to listen to someone new. So I guess that's the hope there. Um, so I think they've addressed as, as they've illustrated in a bunch of the articles I've read, they've addressed some needs, the left-handedness, uh, a guy who they can pinch run with, um, I mean, he's an outfielder, so that sort of replaces Grichuk on the, the Major League roster. Uh, but you're right. Center field does not appear to be his forte, as they say. Yeah, he, I mean, he has the speed for center field, but apparently he's... You know, I, this was from a, a piece in The Athletic, with the, written, and this was <clears throat> Kevin McGrath and, and the Rockies writer talking about who got what in the trade. And the... the, the I can't, I'm sorry, I don't have the writer's name. I, I apologize for that. But he said that basically it's like Tapia is like acceptable or he's a disaster in the outfield. <laughs> so I was like, Hmm, this sounds like Teoscar Hernandez <laughs> or Lourdes Curiel Jr. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, we'll see. I mean, he did come up with the idea that he would be a center fielder. So I guess they had the hope is just that basically Gretchuk, the Gretchuk, that, uh, Springer. that Springer stays healthy and that he can fake center field for a little bit because He's not really a center fielder. He does have a decent arm, and he—I mean, his big calling card, though, like you said, is he does not strike out. He—he he really does put the ball in play, which can be useful for the Blue Jays with the amount of runners that they put on base. Yeah, yeah. If you—if you, if you have—if uh, you're just trying to keep the line moving uh, and maybe move a runner over, that's something the Blue Jays have been lacking. Again, I would rather a guy hit, you know, with a with an 800. 850 OPS and put the ball in the air and have a bunch of pop, but but that's you know Randall Grichuk and his very low on base percentage was not helping this lineup unless he was in his six week. I've rediscovered myself period whenever that was going to occur, and that was the central joke of every response I saw both on Reddit and on Twitter <laughs> was en yeah. enjoy the really really great two to four weeks of Randall Grichuk whenever they happen. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny. 
I think that on a talent perspective, the Jays actually got worse with this trade. I, I think that Randall Griffith is a better player than Ryan, Ryan Maltapia, at least what they have shown. Tapia has more talent than he has applied, but just the fit changed. And I also, I think the biggest thing about this is it frees up Alejandro Kirk to play every day. Right. Either catching or DHing. You're not trying yeah, to get, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I made the comment on uh, on Twitter that like, just turn him into Evan Gaddis, and I think that's basically what it'll be. Where a guy who, you know, he DHs for 120 games and catches for, or 100 and catches for 40, so he plays 140 games. You know, basically the reverse of Salvador Perez from last year with, with the Royals, and he's the best hitter that they have for that spot, and then he can catch when they need to put some of the other guys in or just sit every now and then. So I think that was the big part of the move. Get some left-handedness, get some speed, some you know, some late-game value, and then let Kirk play because they didn't want to bench Grichuk. Indeed. Um, the other prospect they got is is obviously not a guaranteed anything, but apparently he is a very uh, small-stature guy who can hit and has some pop, which is really strange. Oh, and in the Dominican Summer League, walks like twice as much as he strikes out, which is not nothing. Uh, but it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, he was 18, for the, which is a little old for the Dominican Summer League. Usually those guys are 16 or 17, usually 17. Uh, yeah, he stole 41 bases in 54 games. <laughs> he walked 38 times, struck out 18, finished fourth in the league in slugging percentage. So he, yeah, he's five foot six. So like, he makes Alejandro Kirk stand tall. But, <laughs> you know, he's also 19. He might grow a little bit. But yeah, apparently this is this is from Ben Badler on Baseball America that he quote has some sneaky juice for his size, but his offensive game is centered around getting on base with below average power. But he has plus plus speed and a plus arm. So second base prospect maybe can play a little of the outfield, but it sounds like the Jays actually like what he could bring and that he's not just a throw in in the deal that they actually wanted him, and which is why they the the money worked out the way it did. Right, because the Jays sent some money to Colorado. Um, yeah, so it's actually salary neutral for 2022. Tapia's salary plus what they're sending over equals Grichuk's salary. And I think for the Jays, it was like, well, okay. But you're also getting Grichuk for half price next year. For that, you need to give us Adrian Pinto, and that's the way it worked out. So I think it's a decent piece of business for the Blue Jays, even if I think, as I said, that performance-wise, they actually got worse. And uh, as many people have pointed out, handsomeness level, definitely down a notch with Grichuk out of camp. So. <laughs> Heartbreaking for all of those who keep track of these things. Uh, speaking of camp, I think we can move on to that. Uh, sure. Your first point was Nate Pearson, who uh, has been, uh, you know, touted as a hundred mile an hour thrower, and then I'm still not sure what his secondary pitch is because every time he goes down and comes up from the minors, he's trying something different. What's he trying this time? Well, okay. <laughs> so when he first came up. He, and technically in that weird start against Houston last year, which never should have happened because he wasn't healthy yet. He was a four-pitch pitcher, but really more three. Fastball, slider, and a really, really good curveball. But when he came back last year, he was just, because he had been hurt for so long, he wanted to get back as fast as he could, so he just focused fastball, slider, so he doesn't have to get a, get a third pitch ready. And when he knew he was going to pitch out of the bullpen for sure, he didn't need a third pitch. Oh, and he didn't. He was awesome. Aside from that first outing where he, you know, he was still rusty. After that, he was great. Uh, 
But yeah, he's now working, building back up as a starter. And even if he goes into the bullpen in a bulk role, having that curveball will help with platoon splits and just giving guys another look because the fastball and the slider are both really hard. Curveballs, I mean, this curveball's still really hard too because he just throws really hard. But <laughs> it's still a different look, and I think it can really help him because it's a good pitch. <clears throat> but uh, he needs to control his secondary stuff. When he was starting, that was, I think, probably his weak spot in, in you know, the starts I watched anyway, was that <clears throat> he couldn't put the ball where he wanted to. It wasn't that the, the stuff wasn't there. So um, I think probably it's smart to stay as a three-pitch pitcher if you can, if you can ramp up to that. Um, yeah. You're kind of handicapping yourself by being a two-pitch pitcher if you have, like you said, an excellent curveball. So hopefully he gets the chance to uh, perfect that as as camp goes on what's left of it like two weeks <laughs> um yeah, not much time <laughs> yeah uh so because of uh this whole kirk is he the dh is grichuk is gone the blue jays are right-handed etc cetera, etc cetera. um the lineup is beginning to come together this year for charlie montoyo maybe yeah, it certainly looks like it. The last few games where the Blue Jays have had mostly regulars in their lineup, to, uh, so we're recording this Friday, so today was one of them. And then the one last one I was at, which was on Wednesday. Wednesday? Maybe Tuesday. I can't remember which day I went. <laughs> really good analysis there. It was the same kind of thing. It really looks like the opening day plan for the lineup is going to go Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Teoscar, Guriel Chapman, and then Kirk at the DH, whoever's playing second base, whether it's Espinal or Biggio, and then Jansen will catch in the nine slot. And that's a pretty good lineup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think the Blue Jays have a glaring weakness anywhere in their game. I mean, there's always question marks with any team that hasn't spent $250 million like the Dodgers um, or the Mets. But yeah, I, I'm confident with a lineup like that. It feels good as a fan to see everybody, you know, everybody as an everyday player, uh, even, even with the Biggio Espinal situation, both those guys have had times where I would be perfectly happy with them in the top half of a lineup. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, oh, sure, if they, can, if they can play the way that they did, then it's, you know, it's, it's a good situation the team is unstoppable basically if those guys can play at their peak form but even if they don't even if they both you know if biggio is a little better than last year because he was hurt and it was just a horrible year and then espinal doesn't hit 311 as your eighth spot with that kind of power and thump up top i think that it doesn't matter too much as long as they're not terrible and i don't see a case for either of them being terrible um yeah so I'm I'm confident that we will, uh, with a healthy lineup, field something more than competitive every day. He said, not having a wooden desk to knock on. Uh, <laughs> Matt Chapman in the field, already in fine midseason form, of course. Because I mean, how rusty are you on defense ever, really? He's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he, some of the plays he's made just in the few games that they've had so far since they got him, he's making these ranging short hop picks and then throwing on the, you know, basically on the money. He's, he bounced one to Vlad and picked it, but it's just, 
we didn't see that last year. I mean, we talked about this in our last episode about how important that left side is with the with guys like Ryu and Kikuchi and just the way the Jays like to pitch inside. But and and you know, like Gaussman will probably get a lot of balls there because he's just, he's an off speed pitch as his featured pitch his changeup he throws so much so guys will pull it. He's just so good, Chapman. I mean, I mean the plays he's making they they just. It reminds me of when Donaldson first came over and it's like, oh, my God, that's what good defense can look like. Or like when Tulo replaced Jose Reyes. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. It, oh, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And, and I don't think like Tulo was was in a position where his hands were great. His legs were not helping him, I think, when he showed up. But from the sounds of it, Chapman is 100 percent exactly the guy you want playing third. Like, there is no hole in his game. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how the bat comes around. But, uh, you know, at least we have the glove solid every day to celebrate. Um, and he did hit a bomb in his first game, which was fun. I got to see that, and I enjoyed that. And my dad got a picture of him as the swing was going through, which I put out on Twitter. It was a little blurry, but still. And then I, of course, I put this Twitter out, This you know, the photo people liked it, and it's like, called him the Bly Jays. It's like, oh, great. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the... The Twitter edit button. It's just around the corner. Um, <laughs> you saw Yusei Kikuchi uh, firsthand in, in the flesh? I did, yeah. Uh, man, people are so ready to not like a guy who struggled a bit. <laughs> he walked Anthony Rizzo on eight pitchers or something to, to open his first his first batter people were like oh my god oh this guy (laughs) (laughs) you know Rizzo takes walks that's what he does he he's a tough batter doesn't strike out much and then he he gave up a hit and he got some outs and he struck out the last four batters he faced but from I, I mean I wasn't really looking for specifically results because it's spring training but I was looking for the velocity and in person it looked like he was throwing pretty hard and then you know, i looked at online afterwards and he's averaging 95.1 or 94.6 depending on the source but i mean that's his calling card when he throws hard he's he's good and you know as long as they can fix some of the mix of his pitches which again is is kind of no i'm hoping that having that ryu around and jansen's his history with ryu will help that because his stuff is just so good it looks really impressive in person. I mean, the Blue Jays have rarely been accused of ruining a pitcher, especially with, with Pete Walker, right, as, as the pitching coach. Um, there's times when a pitcher has regressed to whatever he was before, like Chatwood, <laughs> but largely pitchers experience an improvement with the Blue Jays, especially if they've had some kind of success and have gotten away from that. There's a lot of success stories, a lot of positive stories that come out of that. So... For a guy who was not exactly struggling mightily, uh, I don't think that the idea that Kikuchi might might perform better because the Blue Jays have an idea of what works for him and what doesn't, and they can explain that. You know, I I don't know. It doesn't seem like crazy talk to me. No, and I think this goes back to what I said about Tapia too, where sometimes it just takes leaving to get a different voice. And a team saying, you know what, we don't want you as much anymore, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Kakushi was excellent in Japan. So he comes over to the States and struggles a bit. And there could be a hesitancy, like, no, I know this works. But maybe you just need someone to say, you know what, that actually still doesn't work. You need to try doing this. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. And But I'm confident that 
so the nice thing about Kikuchi is that I don't think there's a strong likelihood of him just bottoming out, even if they can't get it to work. I think that his floor will mostly be what he was last year, which is, you know, a solid back of the rotation starter. And if he's that, fine. The Jays can afford it. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're paying him to be, right? $12 million a year is yeah. solid back of the rotation starter kind of money. Um, so anything beyond that uh, is is a bonus. Um, yeah. I guess the last note you have here is Aralvis Martinez, because we should talk about any prospect that gets people's blood pumping, right? Well, he's the star of camp, uh, of, well, of the non-regulars, because <laughs> Lourdes Guerrero's hitting, hitting 600 and Springer's hitting 800. So, you know, <laughs> it's hard to top those. But he's getting a lot of playing time because a lot of the Blue Jays players are doing a lot of work on the side. Just I just think because of the quick ramp, they want to work things in a little differently so they don't get hurt, which is fine. Great. Do what you got to do. Um, but that's the easy power that Martinez showed in the minors last year is now being seen by everybody. And there's a reason that Jose Ramirez is not a blue Jay. And I'm guessing one of the reasons is Aurelvis Martinez because the Jays don't want to trade this guy. And they don't want to trade Gabriel Moreno either. I'm sure that was part of the ask as well. But we're looking at a guy that has potential to be a 35-40 home run second baseman in the future or third baseman with his power. And, and you know, his, his plate approach still needs a little bit of work, but he's 20 years old. And then, you know, there's time for that to come. But you just listen to the guys rave about him. Vlad saying that his swing reminds him of himself. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay. And the team, when they talk about it, it, it's clear that they think this guy has a bright future. And now they said he's going to start playing some second base in triple in double A just in case. So obviously might, they see a lot in him. Yeah, it might be more than a just in case if if uh, there's an injury or someone is kind of washing out in the first couple months of the season. I wonder. We, I mean, we've seen lots of guys make that jump when when required from double A to to the bigs, right? Yeah. Or with a very short stop in AAA. I mean, this uh, is what people thought was going to happen with Gabriel Moreno last year, right? When he started tearing up AA and the Jays catching was, you know, they, they were, Riley Adams was getting at bats. So, but then Moreno got hurt and it became moot. But people were thinking there was a chance he'd jump right from AA to the big leagues or at least, or even be around for the postseason if they got there. So, you know, this is the same, that same idea with Ravis Martinez. If he can take a, take the double a and hit the way he did in, in in a ball last year he could be on the fast track indeed uh briefly rosters have expanded according uh, between uh, an agreement in an agreement between the league and the players association uh rosters will start at 28 players up from 26 is that uh, sorry two weeks or a month i, I think it's for the month of april so three weeks <laughs> which gives a lot of flexibility to that roster crunch we usually see at the end of the at spring training. Yeah, I think for the Blue Jays especially, what it means is that they don't really have to worry about doing this thing where they take all three catchers. Uh, when you're when you're limited with your roster, it, it makes it a little tougher to do that. And then, which we talked about last week actually, but and then I think Greg Bird has a really good shot to make the roster. Which is it'd be really funny if Greg Bird just turned into what he was supposed to be with the Blue Jays, like uh, Gio Urshela did with the Yankees. <laughs> Finally, like, ah, take that. <laughs> uh, but I, and then I think it allows 
them to keep all of Phelps, Merriweather, Baraki, Pearson, all of them in the bullpen when before they would have had to make some decisions about who stays up and who goes down. Cool. Uh, and also, uh, the stadium is going to get renovated. The Rogers Center, where the Blue Jays haven't been able to play too much. Now they're going to go back to playing. Big, exciting things happening in the 2023 and 2024 offseason. Uh, are you excited about that? They're completely redoing the lower bowl, and the seats suck. So, yes, I am so happy about this. Now, they could just make them worse. So I shouldn't be too happy until they actually announce what they're going to do. And also, I don't know how much it's going to cost me in, in the future. Wow. One of the things prices. mentioned was, was how, how little premium seating there is in the lower bowl right now compared to most uh, stadiums. It's like, oh, great, because the, the $100 regular ticket wasn't enough. We needed to squeeze a little more out of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So <laughs> we'll see. That said... When I do go to a game, I'd much rather be comfortable. <laughs> the seats are not. Especially when you're my size. It would be super cool also if they aimed, like if you looked at home plate. Wouldn't that be neat? In the outfield? Well, that's, that's not supposed to happen, is it? <laughs> you're supposed to, if you're in left field, you're supposed to look out into dead center field. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's the way I've grown up knowing. Oh, we need to be re-educated. All right. Um, I am going to say we're going to leave it there for a moment and we're going to come back with your questions in, uh, oh, I don't know, a few seconds. And as promised, we have returned after only the briefest of interludes of the musical nature. And when we do that, um... We return with your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? I think you should start asking for only easy questions. Some of these are difficult. I don't know if I'm up to <laughs> <I'm up. laughs> Uh, BK at underscore BKUH underscore asks if the bullpen stays healthy. Unlikely, I know, is Barucky in DFA trouble once rosters go back to 26. I feel like every time someone says if blank stays healthy, we should always respond with that gif of the now we throw our back our, our heads back together and laugh. Um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but let's take the question as though the unlikely hypothetical comes true they only have to stay healthy for three weeks obviously last year in those three weeks they lost five guys or something but let's just say all the bad luck went away last year went out there last year the answer is maybe i mean obviously that's not much of an answer but i think that if the the 28 man roster didn't exist he would be in dfa bubble now you know baraki when he came back last year he just wasn't throwing very hard well, for him, I mean, he'd lost about a little over a mile per hour on his fastball, almost two miles an hour, actually, when he first came back. And it, can't, it settled in about a mile and a half. And for him, that's big because for him to be a, a weapon out of the bullpen, his velocity has to be up in that level, in that 95, 96, 97 range. And his first or his latest outing in the in the in the spring was encouraging because, you know, he hit. He had a couple fastballs that were a little lower, but then he hit above 95 three times, above 96 once. So I think that 
the signs are good for him, but he has to perform. If he if he even struggle, struggles, uh, you know, in two outings or something in April, I think that he's probably going to be the the odd man out, assuming everyone else is performing. All right, uh, Brendan Panikar at Panikar thirty seven asks: Do you see Hyunjin Ryu getting back to ace level performance, or will his production be more in line with that of a mid rotation starter? I you want to take it? I feel like with the opportunity to give him extra rest, which again. I just think that he does better with that longer rest um, with with the you know extra pieces in the rotation that they have and the flexibility that they have at the moment. I think, yeah, we're gonna see we're gonna see ace level starts out of Hyunjin Ryu um, that we we probably haven't seen for two years because I'm a positive kind of guy. And you, Josh? Well, we saw it in 2020. It was great in 2020. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm just. The reason I, I, I whether he gets back to you know what he was in 2020 or when he finished third in the Cy Young voting, I, I don't know if that's realistic to ask of really anybody. But you know, in the last five years, really, I think that's 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 the number that makes the most sense with this. He has had one bad half <laughs> of, <laughs> of pitching. You know, because last year the first half his ERA was 3.5, which is perfectly serviceable, especially in the AL East. And then it was five and a half in the second half. And you know, with him, he is getting older. He's 34 now, I believe. 35. He turned 35 today. Hey, happy birthday. <laughs> um, you did not steal my final thought, but, you know, that could have been. A... <laughs> <laughs> well, you got me a couple times last episode or the one before that. So anyway, so there, there's risk there that, that he, he'll never be what he was. But his command was just off in the second half last year. And for a guy who's had incredible command for five years, I think of it as more of just a blip and that he'll be still be really solid. Uh, Sam Dowdle alludes to uh, something you said earlier at Sam Dowdle. Does Greg Bird make this roster? He, may, he yeah, probably I, makes I it 28 man roster, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I can't see who else is going to take that spot unless they roll 11 relievers, but I, I, I don't know. I don't see why they would do that when they could. Because I think, I assume if they don't take Greg Bird with them, they have to cut him. That's usually how these deals, these kind of deals work. Right. I, yeah, I, I don't, I, I think he's got, I think he's going to make the team just to give them another left handed power bat, which, you know, <laughs> really useful late in games. If they want to pinch it for Danny Jansen for whatever reason. I don't think they want to be using Reese McGuire. <laughs> so, yeah, we've been down that road. Doesn't work out so well. Um, Tortoise Farmer at Farmer Tortoise, and the implications of that as a Twitter handle are interesting. Uh, Guriel and Tay Oscar are free agents after 2023. We have skipped the entire 2022 season in this question. Uh, who gets extended? We've skipped the entire 2023 season too. <laughs> wow, this is a fast-moving um, question. Honestly, I'm going to put my money on neither of them. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of really expensive players on the roster by then. By 20 by the end of the, by the 2024 season, which is the budget you'd be looking at, Vlad will be in his last year of arbitration. No, his second year third, second last year of arbitration. Bo will be in his second, Romano will be in his second, and then you'll have all these big contracts on the books. Ryu will be off. But they'll also have Chapman, who's a free agent, who they'll have to figure out what they're doing with. So I, I, I would bet on nobody getting extended. I'm sure they'll pick someone, but I don't. I, I think the odds are better if you just say no, and then they'll try to fill holes elsewhere. 
Josh takes an empty field. Um, Marks Burley at Trillimo Peño asks a seven-part complicated question. Wild speculation time. Which player who isn't in the Jays system right now is most likely to be on the active roster at the end of the season? Which player who breaks camp on that 26 or 28-man roster is most likely to be gone before the end of the season? I'll take the second one first. Greg Bird. <laughs> that low-hanging fruit is the sweetest. That's what they say. That's why it's down there on that branch. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say Ryan Barucki. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I love Barucki. <laughs> the first one. You're leaving the tough one for me, huh? <laughs> well, who, who is um, who is a free agent pitcher at the end of the, the year? Who is, who is the best rental pitcher on the market? Jeez, oh, I don't know. I haven't looked at the next year's free agent market. I'm still going to say Jose Ramirez. Like the, I think the Blue Jays are going to get him at some point. I mean, you look at this this club, they have a track record of just getting the guys that they want eventually, you know? <laughs> and I think that Cleveland will have to trade him at that point. So, but did you yeah, hear that, Guardians? You have to trade him. <laughs> Eventually. Well, they they're gonna be bad. I mean their their payroll's like thirty-five million dollars. I don't know what the heck they're thinking. And they're saying, well, we want to keep our rosters open for the young players. Okay, so if you're tanking, why are you keeping Jose Ramirez? Like, what are you doing? No one knows. They're guarding with their guardianship. Uh minor leaguer. Dalton Pompey signed with the IBL Guelph Royals. I would like to point out that uh Guelph, I don't believe, has more than two hundred thousand people. Uh, there is a there is an IBL franchise in my home, former hometown of London, Ontario, with three hundred thousand people. Um, this is this is barely a professional league. Uh, do you think he'll make it back into affiliated ball again? Oh boy, um, I think if he really wants to, someone will give him a shot. Uh, just because the talent is there. I mean, he's only, well, he's 29, maybe not. I, I thought he was a little younger than that still. Yeah, but he, like, I don't get it, right? So last year he was in the Dodgers system. He got hurt again because the guy can't stay healthy. But he played in his 37 games that he played, his 145 plate appearances, he was pretty good. So I think that if he wants to get back, he will. Now there is a, Joe Josh Kuznick, who's been on this podcast a couple of times, he was Tristan Pompey's agent and Dalton's, I think. And he was basically saying that he thinks that Dalton's father was really holding him back professionally. And then that's an unfortunate thing. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And I hope that Dalton is happy in Guelph. And I, for his sake, I hope he gets back. But uh, it's tougher when you get that old. Indeed. Um, last question. Social distance plays right no, into my... No, we have two more. Oh, we have you two missed, more? You skipped one. Yeah, you skipped Brian Donnelly's. I'm sorry, Brian. With with Tapia, yeah. Brian says, with Tapia in the fold, what will Lourdes need to do to get back his spot as best hair on the team? See, I said these were difficult questions. I think they need to have one of those wrestling style hair versus hair matches. Yeah. Whoever loses has to shave their head. Oh, dear. Or cut their hair. I don't, I don't, I triple don't threat think... match with Bo <laughs> with the flow. <laughs> I do not think you get Lourdes Guriel into anything where his hair would ever be touched. I just have this feeling that it's, it's kind of sacred territory for him. 
Okay, we'll then see. here's here's the the better answer. Here's how Lourdes does it. <clears throat> he pits Tapia and Bo against each other, and he gets this to be the special <laughs> guest referee and can do declares a double disqualification. So they both have to cut their hair. You've been watching wrestling while baseball was away, haven't you? I actually haven't. I haven't watched it in a very, very long time. <laughs> okay. Our last question. Social distance plays right into my hands at John Q. Legs. What are you putting the over-under of games at for Cito replacing Charlie? <laughs> 0. 0.5? <laughs> uh, and you're taking the, the over? Uh, the very over? The very, very over? <laughs> yeah, it's actually 161.5. Five, yeah, and you're taking the over. Um, yeah. Although it is a habit of this team to bring Cito Gaston in, uh, that's usually when the team can't hit. Uh, I don't think you're going to have that problem with this team. I don't think there's any area where Cito Gaston would take over this team. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just saying that even from the narrative standpoint of, oh, Cito would make perfect sense here, but we can't have, you know, because he's probably an 80 year old man uh and nobody's talked about him for 10 years uh i even even given all that if you could try and dredge up a justification for cito it, none of it fits with this team's needs um now do i think charlie montoya is going to get replaced this year also no no i put the over under at 161.5 for anyone other than charlie montoya he is their guy as far as i can tell um and there's too much talent on this team, I think, to go like 22 and 44 to start the season or something. Yep. All right. Those were the questions, which means we get to move on to the fun bit, which is Nathan Lukes, you get our favorite thing to hand out that isn't to do over. You get a gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Now, you might be thinking, who is Nathan Lukes? Uh, interestingly enough, that's, that's what started the, the whole Gold Star thing, to be quite frank. Um, Nathan Lukes showed up in the lineup, and we weren't sure who he was uh, collectively on Twitter. Some fans of the show weren't <laughs> sure, sure who he was, including Luke who, at Split Letters. Um, and Minor Leaguer. And... Tao of Steve. And after Tao of Steve viewed the lineup and responded, I still haven't heard anything about Nathan Lukes. Nathan Lukes showed up. <laughs> he said, what do you want to know? With the hang loose emoji. Uh, the gold star is for doing Twitter name searching the absolute right way. Yeah, just having fun with it. Having fun with the with the fans. The first question he got asked after what do you want to know was by minor leaguer, which is what is the farthest distance you have ever thrown a baseball? And his response was, I almost added another crater to on the moon from home plate. <laughs> <laughs> Put that man on the mound. <laughs> yeah, he also um, he also answered the all important does pineapple belong on pizza question with a absolutely 100 percent without a doubt goes on pizza. So Nathan has oh, opinions. No, I don't like him. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't have to like him. You don't have to like his opinions, but you have to like his commitment. <laughs> no po no political waffling here. Very strong in his convictions. Yeah. 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 It's just fun. I mean, there's enough Blue Jays <laughs> players and people in their system who name search, and 
are not nice about it. <laughs> Jordan Groshans. <laughs> and I don't know. It just, what's the point? Like, why do you do that? If you just, if you want to do it just to have fun with people, go for it. Like, that's actually like a healthy thing to be doing. Not, oh, I'm going to search out criticism of me and respond to it. Like, what, what is wrong? Why would you do that? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I, I think any, any minor leaguer or any free agent who's bouncing around between like, you know, minor league camps and, and, and getting an invite onto into spring training has to be aware that the reason you're on that away roster sometimes is, is not because they fell in love with you. It's because they needed to fill out the away roster and you were available. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Um, so yeah, Nathan, uh, played for the, the best Bur Durham Bulls team of all time last year. So congratulations on that. And, uh, I mean, I obviously wish him all the success in baseball, whether it be with the Blue Jays or not, because a little, a little fun, a little happiness in spring training is all we can really ask for. Uh, and yeah, if you want to drop by our imaginary office, we would absolutely hand you a gold star. So that rounds out uh, everything except what I'm going to call Shapiro Corner. Because Mark Shapiro uh, has had media availabilities, obviously, during spring training, has had a lot of things to say. Um, the one that came to mind for me was certain writers, Jeff Passan, um, said that, you know, the Blue Jays have this great competitive advantage because the Red Sox and the Yankees and, and certain other American League teams can't bring their unvaxxed players to Toronto. And Shapiro was was not happy about that assessment and kind of went off. Specifically, that the Blue Jays have a whole list of players that they can't sign or trade for because the player's not vaccinated. So they have a narrower field to pick from. And that seems like a competitive disadvantage to him. And I would tend to agree. Yeah, it's funny how that gets glossed over. <clears throat> we got to read the whole quote just because it's funny. Go ahead. I almost jumped through my phone screen when I see a reporter write that it's a competitive edge of the Toronto Blue Jays because teams can't bring players across the border. You got to be freaking kidding me. How about the competitive advantage of not being able to sign players that aren't vaccinated? How about playing half your season in Dunedin in Buffalo at a competitive disadvantage or in Buffalo at a competitive disadvantage? But nobody was writing that from the U.S. Ooh, not happy. <clears throat> not happy, Mark. <laughs> we talked about how. You know, the Jays last last week with Michael Conforto, it's, you know, if he's vaccinated, they can go get him or they can try to get him. Why should that be a qualifier that eliminates a team from signing a guy? It's kind of crazy that, you know, like, all the other teams don't have to worry about that, really, especially now that New York decided to get rid of its rule because probably because the Yankees and Mets made a lot of sizable donations to the campaign. But. Yeah, I mean, Boston, eventually they were able to convince Trevor Story to get vaccinated because they didn't want to not have him for his games in Toronto. But if if he didn't do it, well, they would not have him for nine games. They could they could live with that. It's eighty one games for the Blue Jays, and it's just it's just not a tenable situation. And you know it, it it is a disadvantage that they couldn't go get guys that are great fits for their roster. Yeah, well, and I think you would also have an interesting situation if if a guy does come to Canada and and you know, gets traded for uh, and has to stay in Canada, even though his home is in the States during the season. Like, I don't know. Uh, that's 
I could see a player strenuously objecting to that, right? You're trapped in... How would he even get into Canada? Uh, I presume with a two-week quarantine no, period. No, they can't Oh, come yeah, because they're not vaxxed. Not vaxxed at all. Yeah. So... Yeah. Insane. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, just the other okay. thing that Surprise said, which was interesting, yeah. is he, that uh, he referenced that they were talking to... That there's been... There are conversations that are ongoing with Vlad Guerrero and Boba Shed and their agents. And they, they are trying to do something. It's not, you know, he says it's about sharing risk and finding a level that fits and blah, 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 blah. But the idea that they're actually talking about it is the really interesting part. And it would be great if they could get that done. Oh, absolutely. I mean, certainty for the roster and some cost certainty because, I mean, we all know that Vlad is, is among this crop of young players who is set to uh, break pre-arb or break arbitration um, records going forward if if he remains you know even reasonably close to the player he's been so far. So I think the team needs the cost certainty somewhere on the roster, and you know your best players are the best place to have that, aren't they? Yep. All right. So, um, do you have a final thought beyond Shapiro Corner? <laughs> <laughs> do I have a final thought? A final, final thought? <laughs> Ooh, I like it. Yeah, the the uh, the league is, uh, this was just reported by Eno Saris, the, the, the league is putting in humidors in all 30 parks this season. And the, the Jays have had one already, so it doesn't affect them directly, but that, uh, you know, it could make some differences in some other parks where, it, you know, apparently it's still humid in Tampa's park, which... I, it's indoors. I don't know why that's the case, but so it actually made make offense go up there a bit, which might mean the Jays can actually win some games there because their offense dies in that park. So much crazy talks about uh, about Tampa. I'm t- I yeah. Someday the whole trop thing will go to bed because the Jays will just be will play to their expected record at the trop, and I will be a happy man. All right, which is to say that you have been Joshua Housem uh, at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 229, and we'll talk at you next week.